Vint is the first fully transparent wine investment platform genuinely accessible to everyone. For less than $100, you can own SEC-qualified shares of the best wines in the world. The Vint Wine Investment Podcast offers up-to-date information on the world of wine and investing, as well as current perspectives on our collections and the wine markets in general. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Vint Wine Investment Podcast. I'm your head of wine, Billy Galenko. Uh, The first, we're going to start out with our California collection, the 2018 Napa Valley collection that is still live. Um, Hopefully there will be some shares left when you are listening to this, but there's been some exciting news in the past week that impacts the collection directly or, you know, further demonstrates the, you know, quality of the wines and and the world's um, growing thirst for California wines as an investment grade wine. The first really big news is that uh, the Dominus 2018 Vintage was rated by Wine Spectator as the number one wine of the year. Uh, This is really exciting. It comes on the back of the same wine, also being rated the number nine wine of the year by James Suckling. Um, It's received multiple 100-point scores and also high 99s from uh, Wine Advocate. So it's it's been well-received and very highly promoted as a benchmark for the vintage. But with this number one wine of the year from Wine Spectator, we've really seen some increased trade volume on LiveX. Um, the LiveX reported that there was a 34% increase um, in the prices paid for cases of Dominus over the market price just the week prior. So it's really interesting. Uh, this is a great demonstration of how interesting news or ratings or rankings can actually potentially impact the trade value of some of these wines. Um, moving beyond Dominus as a whole, the California market has actually, you know, continued to perform really well here in the 2021 uh, year. Um, some of the metrics from LiveX just came out basically saying that in 2021 so far, the California 50 index, which represents kind of the macro California wine trade volume and value over the um, in the global market, um, is up 16.5% um, this year. So that what's, what's really exciting about that is, you know, that's beating regions like Bordeaux. Um, it's beating the entire country of Italy. So it's really positioning, you know, California up there as one of the hottest regions, you know, of 2021 in terms of wine investment um, and trade volume. And just another region to, like, continue to follow and invest in and, you know, track the momentum. So we're really excited for these metrics. I mean, it goes along with a lot of our, our heavy research and, and details that we've um, looked at to create the Napa Valley 2018 collection. And we really encourage you, if there are any shares left, to go ahead and snap some up. Next, um, we're going to move on to some wines for the holidays. I know last week we had touched on um, some upcoming collections. Um, the Rowan Valley collection will be coming. Um, we're still working on that exact date. So next week, we're going to touch more on the Rhone Valley wines. So for the end of this episode, I really want to dive into a little bit more of holiday wines or wines that are kind of close to my heart and that I would recommend drinking for the holiday period. So this is kind of building on what we kind of did for Thanksgiving, but this has a little bit more personal anecdotes for me. Um, I'll start with sparkling and work our way down through white and red and dessert wines. So with sparkling, 
I mean, my go-to is um, champagne, but, you know, everybody has as their favorite. Some people like California sparkling, some like cava, some like Prosecco. So whatever your go-to sparkling is, I highly recommend it for pairing with basically any uh, holiday dishes. The, the bubbles in any sparkling wine, that carbon dioxide actually creates carbonic acid in, in your mouth and really has this like refreshing palate lifting feel that you know, the, the bubbles kind of lift any of the, the fat or heavy sweet um, elements from these heavier holiday dishes right off your palate and leave you refreshed and ready for another bite. Um, champagne is close to my heart because every Christmas morning, our family toasts, um, you know, the day with a glass of champagne, um, something I'm pretty sure my mom started just because she likes sparkling wine. But uh, it's remained something that's close to us. And this year I have a bottle of um Krug, um, non-vintage, the 168 non-vintage, um, which is kind of special because, you know, the non-vintage wines means they blend wines from multiple different vintages, um, multiple base wines into this one and create this special blend. Um, and a majority of this sparkling wine, the 168 from Krug, is from the 2012 uh, vintage, which is exciting. It was a great vintage. Krug didn't make a lot. They didn't make a vintage wine that year. Um, so this is as close as you can get and it's really exciting to, um, be able to taste. So I'm looking forward to that on Christmas. Um, moving down to right wines. Um, I, I would say like the, a lot of the wines I recommended for Thanksgiving are still premium here. Um, you know, your Rieslings, your Vino Verde, Albarino, these are all light, higher acid, um, Wines that would really, you know, refresh the palate and pair beautifully with a range of dishes, especially the the Riesling and Vino Verde with a little bit of um, a little bit of residual sugar. But when it, my mind goes to Christmas time, I, I go a little bit more to um, something like a, a Burgundy, a Blanc, a White Burgundy, or um, a Gewürztraminer from Alsace, um, mainly because you know White Burgundy's Chardonnay. Um, for the most part, if you want to get an aligote, they're also delicious. But if you get a, you know, a village level white burgundy, um, it's going to be nice and full bodied. You'll you'll be able to get enough. You know, there might be a little touch of oak, but it'll be able to stand up to some of those dishes like, a, you know, roasted poultry um, and some other, you know, maybe fish dishes you might be having around the year. Um you know, it's still too, you know, I wouldn't put it with like a big steak or anything, but it's still a beefier white wine. Um, Gewürztraminer is kind of the same way. It's it's a very, from Alsace, they get to be very ripe. They tend to have a little bit more alcohol. They have these kind of like lychee and just like spicy and very floral nose, gives them rose notes. It, it's really interesting um, in terms of a wine, but it's also a higher pH wine. So the body of the wine on your palate feels a little bigger and it pairs beautifully with a lot of these um, heavily spiced dishes, especially with Christmas spices um, uh, that you're going to be having with various different dishes this year. So I recommend that. Um, these wines are close to my heart because a couple of years ago um, for the holiday period, my girlfriend and I went to Alsace and Paris for the new year. Um, so we were able to catch the tail end of Christmas markets. So I just remember, you know, walking around these beautiful Christmas markets and, um, you know, having a glass of, you know, going into a cozy little, uh, like pub or like a little wine bar and having a glass of Gewürztraminer and Alsace. And it was, it was a great time. Next, moving on to red, um, we're on to actually something that overlaps with our upcoming collection. 
Um, it's a Rhone wine. It's a uh, Chateauneuf de Pop. Um, this is a wine from the Southern Rhone. <clears throat> it's very full bodied in the way that the way that it's made. It can have up to thirteen different grape varietals. They tend to be predominantly Grenache and Syrah um, forward and mixed in with a bunch of other things. Um, these wines are special to me just because my mom's family, I found out only a few years ago, used to always have a prime rib and Chateauneuf de Pop. So we had, um, one, my grandfather cooked a prime rib for us and we all had Chateauneuf de Pop. And it was actually one of the last, uh, Christmases we had with him. Um, so that, that was really nice. And it's something that's kind of stuck out in my mind since then. Um, so, you know, again, this wine being heavily Grenache, you know, there, it will be more red fruit forward, but there's definitely some dark fruit undertones, a lot of spice and minerality. Um, the terroir of Chateauneuf de Pop is really interesting with these big, what they call galley stones. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple weeks when we're diving into our Rhone collection, but the, the wine is really bright and fresh and, um, you know, it, it with still good body tannin. So it'll pair really well with a bunch of your larger, meatier dishes, um, anywhere from, you know, the prime ribs down to duck or lamb. Um, it, it would pair really well. And then last but not least for dessert, we're going to go to Madeira. Um, this is a wine that's one of my personal favorites. Um, it's always been a wine that's fascinated me of all time. Um, it's a fortified wine that runs from basically semi-sweet up to all the way to luscious there's different five different main varietals five different styles um of the traditional style and then now there's there's a bunch of blends and easier to access um styles of madeira as well including rainwater and and some of these broader um kind of thing bottles that are just labeled straight madeira they don't really have a varietal um what, what you'll find in these wines is it's it's really complex array even the, the simplest ones have like caramel and cocoa and baking spices and it's really this this rich array of smells that also translate and aromas that always kind of translate right to the palate too and then you'll get this awesome palate of it's a balance of sweet and acid somehow these wines retain their acidity so well even though they might have years of oxidation and and sweetness on them. And we'll, we'll do another episode sometimes where we dive into how these wines are made. It's a really unique way, but, um, these wines were, you know, heavily favored by our founding fathers. Potentially the, uh, declaration of independence was toasted with the Madeira. So I highly recommend them. Um, I personally got the, had the pleasure of visiting, um, the Island of Madeira this year, which is, it's actually a small Island. It's Portuguese owned or ruled, but it's off the coast of Morocco. Um, and it's a really small island. We got to go. It's a subtropical, beautiful place. I highly recommend it. Beautiful for hiking. Um, everything grows there. So many fruits and vegetables. Aside from wine and grapes, they're known for now bananas is their second um, most grown agricultural product. So that's really interesting. But while there, I got to you know visit a bunch of the wineries and taste some really interesting kind of rare varietals that aren't really exported too much and some old wines that were great. And then... Um, just recently I was in New York and had the opportunity to taste, um, an 1862 Bual Madeira, um, at the Terroir Wine Bar in New York. And that was, it was, uh, one of my favorite wine experiences of all time. The wine was amazing. It was, you know, almost black in color, um, but still had a lot of that, that same depth of complexity 
on the on the nose that I was just talking about, you would, you really wouldn't think it was, you know, that old. You would probably think it was maybe, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years younger. Um, it still had really bright acidity on the palate that was really well balanced. That, that wine could easily live for another easily 50 years, I would say. So that, that was a pleasure of a lifetime. And I, I, I recommend you guys go and just even search out any Madeira you can find. It's, it's hard to be disappointed by a Madeira. Um, and then you can only basically go from good to amazing. So I recommend searching them out and pairing them with your, your cookies or any of your holiday desserts this year. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Um, I was down in Florida. It was, it was very nice, but it's, it's always great to get, to get back to work. So, um, quick updates on the, the internal side of Vint. And then I'm going to share a little bit about this, this interesting company that I've got, gotten to know the founder. They're also in the wine industry and I, I like their mission as well. Um, we continue to explore secondary trading. Um, there is this thing called an ATS, an alternative trading system. So because we are um, SEC qualified securities, we are able to build on top of an ATS to offer secondary trading. And when people ask, we, we say the timeline is um, 9 to 12 months, but we have talked to a number of providers where we're working to find the best, the most recent that we've talked to. We, we saw a product demo. Um, it looks like a, a solid product that either we can um, build on top of with their APIs or use their um, white-labeled platform. So it's something that we continue to think about. Um, the product roadmap is obviously um, it is in place, but the backlog is is there. So uh, we will keep you all updated um, if we're going to use a white label or build our own our own experience um and then yesterday I, I had a really interesting interview um with this company vino head so their their founder josh entman he um me and him got connected say nine months ago and we've we've just stayed in touch and they're they're doing something really interesting there is right now it's a email newsletter, they create content, and they're, they're building this community focused on Gen Z and millennials in, in the wine industry. They're targeting a, a similar problem to what we observed from the early days, that the, the wine industry is broadly exclusive, um, whether it's us targeting the, the top tier or um, Vino had a similar mission to, to Vint targeting the education side of things, making it accessible, um, make, bringing it into a new age where people are no longer intimidated to get involved with and um, learn about this really, really interesting asset. So um, I know I've, I've shared Vino Head with, um, with our team. We, we really, really like the, uh, the content that we put out and, and hope that we're going to continue to do more with them in different like ideas of collaboration. Um, we've we've talked with Psalm TV. We've talked with various Psalms, but expect to see more um, cross collaboration between Vint and others in in the wine industry. 
those are the big updates. If any of you all are up in New York, I'll be there next week and would love to get together in person. For questions, comments, or feedback on the Vint Wine Investment Podcast, please email us at support at vint.co. To check out our current offerings and to sign up for the Vint platform, find us at www.vint.co. That's www.vint.co. Vint and VV Markets are offering securities pursuant to Regulation A. Our offering circular as amended can be found on the SEC website. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments such as those on the Vint platform are speculative and involve substantial risk to consider before investing. We may provide communication that may contain certain forward-looking statements that are subject to various risks and uncertainties. Information provided in any communications is not legal, business, or tax advice. All prospective investors should consult a legal, tax, or business advisor concerning the subject matter of any communications and any offering.